0: together. If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I would love for you to turn with me to the first chapter of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, and this morning we're going to be studying together in verses 5 through 10. Appreciate Taylor reading that for us, 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to be studying together this morning in verses 5 through 10, if you'll join me there. It's hard to believe that we're only seven days away from Christmas Day. Lord willing, one week from today, it's going to be Christmas. As we're all aware, Christmas is not just a day. Christmas is a season. While there are a lot of different Christmas season traditions that I enjoyed, you know which one is one of my favorites? Christmas lights. I love Christmas. Christmas lights, what about you? The most obvious place that you're going to see Christmas lights is on somebody's Christmas tree, which we can take a poll here for just a second, if you don't want to vote, that's okay, but how many of you like white lights the best on the Christmas tree? Okay, handful, how about multicolored lights? Alright, right, let's well split about even. I'll let you guys debate about which one's better, which one looks the best. Christmas lights come in a variety of different ways. There are some that you can put on your tree. You look through a pair of glasses, and each light gives off a little figure. Like in this picture, each light is a little Santa Claus whenever you look through the glasses. It's pretty neat. Some people decorate their houses on the inside and the outside with Christmas lights. I've even seen some where they sync them up to music. I love to go and see Christmas lights. Every single year, Leslie and I go to see the Christmas lights that are displayed at the Opryland Hotel. Here's a picture of the first time that we went to do that in <laughs> December of 2013, like nine years ago. That 16-year-old Tyler and 14-year-old Leslie. Didn't tell her I was putting that in the slideshow. <laughs> Christmas lights is a good way to think about the kind of lives that we should be living as Christians. This time of year, Christmas lights shine into the darkness that surrounds them, and not only become visible, but also quite beautiful. It's no secret that as followers of Jesus, we live in a world that is defined by darkness. We live in a world that is enamored and engrossed with sin. So what's our responsibility? Well, if you go back to the text that was just read for us, and specifically if you look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7, John says that our responsibility is to walk in the light. As we live in a world of darkness, as we live in a world that is defined by sin and evil and wickedness, our responsibility, according to John, is to walk in the light. As we consider that idea this morning, I want us to ask a question. It's a question that's very personal in nature. It's a question that requires some serious thought. It's a question that requires some serious reflection. We're going to ask the question collectively, but each one of us has the responsibility to think about this question individually. It's the title of our lesson this morning. Are we walking in the light? If we take some time to evaluate the congregation here that we're a part of, as a congregation, collectively, are we walking in the light? But then we think individually. What about you? What about me? As we live our lives on a daily basis, are you choosing to walk in the light? Am I choosing to walk in the light? As we reflect on that question, as we take some time to evaluate ourselves, let's see what John has to say about walking in the light in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. I think the place that we need to begin is by talking about the definition of walking in the light. If we're going to address that question, if we're going to spend some time evaluating ourselves in response to that question, then we have to know what it means. What does it mean? What does it practically look like to walk in the light? Number one, whenever we walk in the light, it means that we are going to imitate God. When you look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 5, John begins in this text by saying, this is the message that we've heard from Him. When you look in context, that's talking about our Lord Jesus. This is the message that we've heard from Jesus, and it's the message that we are declaring or proclaiming to you. When you read throughout 1 John in its entirety, It seems like John is writing against false teachers who were intentionally trying to deceive these Christians to which this letter is addressed. They had gone out from this church. They had gone out from this group of Christians. But that didn't mean that they were leaving them alone. They were intentionally trying to deceive the Christians that John is writing to. So as John encourages this church to stand strong against these false teachers, He begins with a message that he heard directly from Jesus in chapter 1 and verse 5. John was a capable messenger. Not only is he an inspired writer, but think about the time that John spent with Jesus. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He spent three to three and a half years alongside of Jesus every single day. He had such a close relationship with Jesus that not only was he... A member of Jesus' inner circle of disciples, including Peter and James, his brother. But when you read throughout his gospel, the Gospel of John, he identifies himself as what? The disciple whom Jesus loved. He had such a close relationship with Jesus. And in the first couple verses of this book, he bears witness to the fact that Jesus came to earth. John heard Jesus' words with his ears, John saw Jesus with his eyes. John handled Jesus with his hands. And so he begins in verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from Jesus. But it's not staying with us. We're proclaiming or declaring this message to you. What is the message? That God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. That's a message about God's character. God's nature. Who is God? We could answer that question by saying a number of different things. But when we look at this passage, one thing that we have to say is that God is light. Light and darkness cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Whenever light shines, it dispels, it overcomes, it removes the darkness. God is entirely light. And because of that, there's no darkness in Him whatsoever. God is everything that is good in His nature and in His character. And as a result of that, there's nothing bad or evil or sinful in God. So what kind of bearing does that have on us? What kind of impact does that have on the kind of lives that we choose to live? Well, that's where we go back to verse 7. John says, if we walk in the light, how do we do it? As He is in the light. Here's who God is. Here's what you need to know about God's character or God's nature. He is light and there's no darkness in Him whatsoever. So based on that, who are we supposed to be? Based on that, what are we supposed to do? We are to be imitators of God. We are to walk in the light as He is in the light. Our words, our actions, our thoughts are to come in alignment with who God is and His nature. Who God is in His character. Are we walking in the light? A good way to evaluate that within ourselves, within our own lives, is by asking, are we imitating God? Are we living a life that is in conformity with who God is in His nature and who God is in His character? Oftentimes, we compare ourselves with other people, don't we? Sometimes, we compare ourselves with one another And we walk away from those conversations sometimes feeling really good about ourselves. At least I'm not as bad as that person. At least I don't struggle with what that person struggles with. John says we don't compare ourselves to others. We compare ourselves to the nature or the character of God. How do we measure up to Him? Are we imitating Him in the way that we speak? In how we choose to live? Even in how we think. Walking in the light, number one means that we're going to imitate God. Number two, walking in the light is more than just words. Walking in the light is more than just a claim that we make. When you look at verse 6, John returns to this idea of fellowship. You go back to verse number 3, John is writing to this group of Christians so that they will have fellowship with him and he has fellowship with God. So we, we can connect that triangle, can't we? John wants his readers to have fellowship with him and thus have fellowship with God. Well, John pictures an individual in chapter 1 and verse 6 who claims to have fellowship with God, but they choose to walk in darkness. More than likely, that's what the false teachers were doing. More than likely, these false teachers were claiming to be in relationship with God, but choosing to live in sin and evil and wickedness, choosing to walk in the darkness. John looks at his original readers and he looks at us today to say, you can't do that. If we claim to have fellowship with God, but then we choose to walk in darkness, what are we doing? John says, number one, we're lying we're not telling the truth. Whenever we make a statement like, I love God so much. I'm so thankful for God. I'm so grateful to live in fellowship with God every day. But then we choose to live in darkness. John says you're not telling the truth. Those claims aren't right. They aren't in conformity with reality. When we come into an assembly like this one and we sing songs of praise like, Oh how I love Jesus. And then we go out and live throughout the week not loving Jesus and not dedicating ourselves to Him? John says you're lying. If you claim to have fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness, you don't actually have fellowship with God. The truth of God's Word teaches us not just to say we're in fellowship with God, but to live every day in fellowship with God So what happens when I make a claim about my relationship with God, but then I choose to live in sin? John says, number one, you're lying. And you're not practicing the truth. You're not practicing what the Word of God teaches. Are we walking in the light? Be careful how you answer that question because the answer to that question is more than just words. It's more than just a claim that we make. Are we... Just talking the talk? Or are we actually walking the walk? We can't walk in darkness and walk in light at the same time. Like we said, light and darkness cannot be in the same place at the same time. You can claim fellowship with God as much and as often as you want to. But if you don't live that way throughout the week, John says you're lying and the truth is not what you're practicing Number two, walking in the light, it's more than just words, it's more than just a claim that we make, it's the way that we choose to live. Number three, walking in the light means that we're not perfect. We see that in chapter 1 and verse 8 and also chapter 1 in verse number 10. We've set a pretty high bar for what it means to walk in the light, haven't we? Walking in the light on one side means that we're going to imitate God. And we're gonna live out his character and his nature in our lives. It means that it's more than just words. We're not just gonna talk, but we're gonna back up our claims with our actions by how we choose to live on a daily basis. But then you swing over to the other extreme. Walking in the light means that we recognize and we realize that we're not perfect, we haven't arrived yet, we're not sinless, we continue to make mistakes. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because we actually do have sin, and the truth is not in us. If an inspired writer says something one time, it's important. Wouldn't you agree? What if he says something twice within three verses? Verse 10, if we say we have no sin, we make him, God, out to be a liar. Go to Titus 1 and verse 2 and see how God cannot lie. In His nature, God is not capable of lying. But if we say we have no sin, we're making God out to be a liar, and His Word is not in us. Are we walking in the light? In this text, we find boundaries for walking in the light, don't we? It's like driving down the road, you have... You, you have guardrails on either side. As we think about walking in the light, we have guardrails on either side that we have to stay between. That on one side, to one extreme, walking in the light cannot take place if we're choosing to live in sin. We cannot walk in the light and walk in the darkness at the same time. But then swing over to the other extreme. It also doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect or sinless or that I'm never going to make a mistake. John says, if we say we have no sin then we're lying we're deceiving ourselves the word is not in us the truth is not in us and even worse than us lying we're making God out to be a liar walking in the light is recognizing that we haven't arrived yet we still have sin that we need to eliminate we still have sin that we need to repent of and deal with walking in the light is not about perfection I believe that sometimes as Christians, we get into this frame of mind where we think that we have to be perfect in order to be pleasing to God. And we never have to make a mistake. And we have to be sinless. Walking in the light doesn't mean that you're perfect. Walking in the light means that you're faithful. We need to recognize the difference between those two terms. Walking in the light doesn't mean that I'm going to be sinless. But it means I'm going to do the best that I can to be who God wants me to be. It's about the direction of your life. What direction is your life going? Is your life going in a direction that is pointed towards God? The straight and narrow path that's sometimes hard, but it leads to life. Or is your life pointed in the direction of sin? The broad path that's easy, but it leads to destruction. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Walking in the light means that we recognize we're not perfect. But once we recognize that we're not perfect, once we admit to having sin in our lives, what do we do with that sin? Do we just sit in our brokenness? Do we become comfortable with our brokenness? Do we become comfortable with the fact that we have sin in our lives? Well, no, look at verse uh, number 4 in verse number 9. Walking in the light means that we're going to confess our sin. Once we recognize that sin is present in our lives, we're going to... Confess it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is not saying that this is a one-time deal. This is not saying respond to the invitation one time and confess your sin and you're good. In context, this is not just talking about confessing your sin to God and acknowledging your sin to God in private prayer. Like with the other ideas in this text, this is about a lifestyle. It's about living a confessional lifestyle where I'm continually acknowledging and confessing the sin that's present in my life. When I confess my sin and I acknowledge my sin, naturally the next step is to turn away from it. Naturally the next step is to repent of it. What does it mean to walk in the light? Are we walking in the light? Walking in the light means that we're not perfect and we recognize that. We have sin in our lives and we're willing to admit that. But what do we do with that sin? We're confessing it. We're living a continual lifestyle of confession where we're acknowledging and confessing and turning away from the sin that is present in our lives. It's a question That if we asked it cold turkey, we might struggle with the answer just a little bit. But when we dive into this text, hopefully it helps us to answer. Are we walking in the light? Are we? Are you walking in the light? Am I walking in the light? Well, let's evaluate. Are are we imitating God? Walking in the light as He's in the light. Is our Christianity more than just words? Is it more than just a claim? Is it more than just a bio on social media or pictures hanging on your wall at home? Are we recognizing our imperfection and responding to that imperfection with a continual lifestyle of confession? Are we walking in the light? What's your answer to that question? Because as we continue in this text, John not only talks to us about the definition of walking in the light, he also talks to us about the results of walking in the light the light are we walking in the light if you're thinking about your life and you're saying yes this is what I'm about and this is what I'm pursuing this is what I'm seeking after every day then as we consider these next couple points think about the blessings that you're able to claim it's not always easy to walk in the light but I can guarantee you that it's always going to be worth it and I hope we're able to see that over the next couple of minutes are we walking in the light maybe your answer to that is no It's just not who I am right now. It's just not the way I'm living. I read through four of those points and maybe I have a couple of them, but a couple of them I still have to work on. If you're not walking in the light, then consider over the next couple minutes what you're missing out on. The blessings that could be yours if you would make a different choice. Number one, whenever we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When you look at verse 7, along with a few other statements in this section of Scripture, John presents a conditional statement. It's a statement like, if we were to jump into a pool, we would get wet. Which I don't know why you would do that on a day like today. It's freezing cold outside. But just for the sake of illustration, if you were to jump into the pool, what would happen? You would get wet. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, then what happens? We have fellowship with one another. Isn't that awesome to think about? Whenever we walk in the light, we don't do it alone. Whenever we walk in the light, we don't do it in isolation. It's something that we do together in fellowship with one another. When we walk in the light, our fellowship with God is demonstrated in the fellowship, the sharing that we have with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not something we do alone. It's not something that we do in isolation when I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the light. We're sharing in the same kind of life. We're marching in the same direction. We have the same goals. We have the same priorities. We have our eyes set on the same thing, the same person. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we walking in the light? If you answer that question by saying yes, think about how great it is. To have fellowship with one another. Think about how great it is to be surrounded by not just a community. Not just a family. But the community and family of God. Us all living the same lives. Going in the same direction. And having the same priorities. When you walk in the light, you don't do it alone. When you walk in the light, you don't do it in isolation. Instead, this is something that we do together. I don't know about you, but I love and I'm thankful for the church family here That as we walk in the light individually, we are collectively able to have fellowship with one another. But then what if you're on the other side of that question? Are we walking in the light? Maybe you're honestly evaluating and saying, no, that's not what I'm doing. Look at what you're missing out on. You're missing out on the greatest family to ever exist. The greatest community that this earth has ever seen. And that is the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom that belongs to Him. There's a big push in the religious world to accept anybody who claims Christianity for themselves, regardless of the way that they choose to live. Here's what John says. John says nobody can be in fellowship with this community of believers if they're not choosing to walk in the light. If they're not choosing to walk in the light as He is in the light. Number one, when we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's a horizontal result of walking in the light. But then notice as we continue, there's also a vertical result of walking in the light. That as we walk in the light, we're able to claim cleansing. We're able to claim forgiveness. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, first we have fellowship with one another. But then what's the second thing? The blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. This text has already taught us in verse 8 and verse number 10 to admit that we have sin in our lives. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word is not in us. This text has already taught us that we have sin present in our lives. What does that sin do to us? That sin stains us deeply. What does the blood of Jesus do whenever we walk in the light? Usually, if you were to spill blood on something, it would stain it pretty bad. Not the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus does not stain us, the blood of Jesus removes all of our guilty stains. The blood of Jesus cleanses the stains that we have put on ourselves. By our own choice and our own decision, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from what? Underline this verse, underline this word, all sin. Don't you love that word? You see it again in verse number 9. As we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us of some of our sins. That's a great message, isn't it? As we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us of our minor sins, but then those major sins, we have to work a little bit more to get those removed. It's not the message. As we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus is a continual fountain that cleanses us from every single sin that we commit. Sometimes we view ourselves outside of the scope of God's forgiveness. John responds by saying, walk in the light and your sins are continually washed away in the blood of Christ. We see it again in verse 9. If we confess our sins, we go back to the character, the nature of God. If we confess our sins, He is faithful, dependable. He is just. He's going to do the right thing to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from, underline it again, all unrighteousness are we walking in the light if you answer that question in your life by saying yes not only do you have fellowship with this body of believers but the blood of Jesus is continually cleansing you of your sin if you're walking in the light then you're not going outside of salvation and into of salvation as you live your life on a daily basis but that's the way that we commonly think about it isn't it I begin the day saved because Lamentations 3 teaches me that the Lord's mercies are new every single morning, but then I was on the way to work and somebody cut me off in traffic and I thought something bad, and so I sinned and now I'm lost. But thankfully I had the time when I got to work to spend some time in prayer and to ask for the Lord's forgiveness, and so now I'm over here and I'm saved again. But then it worked, somebody got on my nerves and I said something that I shouldn't have and now I'm lost. I'm over here in this lost category. But then, thank goodness I had the time to pray and now I'm back over here in this saved category and we play this game where we go from lost to save and save to lost. We step into salvation and then right out of it several times throughout the day hoping that we just die on the right side of the line. That's not the blessed assurance that we have in Jesus. That's not what this text teaches us in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. John teaches us here that if we walk in the light, we stay in the saved column. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to sin. We talked about that a few minutes ago. But if we walk in the light as He's in the light, the blood of Jesus is a continual fountain that continually cleanses us of every single sin that we commit. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Are we walking in the light? Maybe you're on the other side. And you're thinking, that's not really who I am. If you're not walking in the light, the reverse is also true. There's no cleansing. There's no forgiveness. The fountain, the forgiveness is available, but it's not being applied. But Tyler, I, I became a Christian. I gave my life to Jesus. Jesus. I was immersed underneath the waters of baptism where my sins were washed away. But we have to continue to be faithful, don't we? We have to continue to walk in the light. The teaching, the doctrine of once saved, always saved is not what the Bible teaches. Becoming a Christian is a great thing, but it's only the beginning. We have to continue to walk in the light for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us of our sins sins are we walking in the light it's a question that shouldn't just be considered in a setting like this one but a question that we should consider every day of our lives it takes some honest evaluation am i imitating god is this more than just words to me am i recognizing that i'm not perfect and living a continual lifestyle of confession and acknowledgement of the sin that's present within me if the answer to that question is yes As we said, it's not always going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. Because as you walk in the light, you find fellowship with the best people in the world. The people that belong to our Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is involved in your life. He's the one who is cleansing your sin. He is the one who is wiping your sin away to where God the Father says, I don't even remember the sins that you've committed in Hebrews 8 or Jeremiah chapter 31. If you're not walking in the light, then you find yourself in a dangerous spot. It's a place of no fellowship, no cleansing, no forgiveness. But that's not where you have to stay. That's not where you have to remain. If you have any doubts about where you are in your relationship with God, if you need prayers or encouragement from your brothers and sisters, or if you'd like to make that decision to become a Christian today and to put Christ on in baptism, we'd love to help you right now as together we stand and sing.